0: This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, brand new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here, the last one of the year 2021. My name is Brian Robb. Bring aboard our usual co host here, Ryan Bernardoni. Um, popping in for is this should this just be the Good Rinse 2020, 2021 Celtics podcast, Ryan? Is that is that the fair way for us to? Describe what we're going to get into today.
1: Probably. Yeah. Good rinse to 2021. Um, 2022. Can't. Well, maybe it can be worse. Let's find (laughs)
0: out. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the, that'll be tag. Like, well, it can't get any worse. Well, maybe we'll, we'll find out. Um, Yeah. So we're uh, recording this on Thursday morning after the Celtics uh, shot. 9% Nine percent from three point range against the Clippers, and which was not, by the way, their worst uh, three point shooting night of the year. Um, and that uh helped them come up short against the oh, very much undermanned Los Angeles Clippers team on the heels of losing to uh, even more undermanned uh, Minnesota Timberwolves team. And so, I mean, we don't need to get into these games specifically too much because why do that to ourselves? Why do that to our listeners, Ryan? But there's Let's let's play like I don't want. Should we call it the blame pie game? Like, in terms of what's happening to the Celtics right now, if you're looking at a strictly personnel, b coaching, c um, roster construction, i.e., like you know front office decision making, where this team is at right now, are they are they three games under 500? I don't have the standings up in front of me. Is it yep sixteen oh, and 19. Yeah. yeah, so they're three games under. 500 here. They've been ravaged by COVID, but so has everyone else in this league. Um, injuries also factor here. but where, where do you start there in terms of like pointing to, obviously it's a combination of all three, but where do you start there in terms of where this team is, is at right now in this year? Uh, uh,
1: everybody gets their share of blame, I suppose. Um, if, oh, if you if, have to pick if one, talking, if you have to pick
0: the top one.
1: Y- yeah. So, I mean, if you're talking in terms of like where they are, as a, in the sort of title contention, you know, big picture goals of the franchise, then, then you start with roster construction in the front office. But I don't think either of us are really talking about that. No. Uh, the first blame is luck. It's injury and luck. Uh, you can, you can apportion blame beyond that, but you do have to start with, with that. I, I think that there is still a core of a good team that has simply never played together. more than a game or two in a row um and and yesterday with you know going four for for 42 is in some amount luck there's some amount of personnel and coaching there but a good portion of that like you can't have a night that bad and not say that some of it's luck some of the fourth quarter foibles are luck um but the first and, and foremost one in that is is injury and health so there's two teams in the league this year that have not had a single lineup play over hundred minutes and the Celtics are one of them. And at the same point in the season last year, there were five teams that had not had a single lineup that was able to play a hundred minutes together. And the Celtics were one of those. So you do have to start there and say that like the core of the team of Jalen and Jason smart, hopefully as a point guard, Robert, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, You know, Kemba last year, whenever he was healthy, rarely Al Horford this year when he's playing well, more commonly, but not as consistently as it was at the very beginning of the season, some number of younger or veteran role play, you know, sort of pick and choose which ones you want. Like there's an eight or nine man team there this year, just like there was last year that was completely fine. That could have been a, you know, could be a four or five seed. Um, And they just, they they're never on the floor. So how do you really judge it? Like they get on the floor for one game. And, and I think everybody now has the same sort of dread of like, oh, the Celtics have nobody on the injury report. Who's about to get hurt? Or what yeah. six players are about to come down with COVID. And and it is really hard to separate those things and sort of evaluating, you know, Emei or how these players fit together because they never get to play together um, or, or the front office. So I, I think that that is the first thing that you have to, you really have to like say, yes, first and foremost, we will talk about all the other stuff the team has had outrageously bad COVID luck, injury luck, everything else. They've been a franchise that's been cursed for 30 years with injuries and, and, and worse, you know, you know, going back to Len Bias and Reggie Lewis um, as by far the worst things, but they, you know, they have had really rough <laughs> luck for, for most of you know a long period of time here and, and you, a lot of other franchises can say, oh, so have we, we've had these same things. And like, I'm not, I'm not denying that, but especially over the over the course of 2021, like they've had probably the worst injury and
0: health right. of, of any team in the league. And, and to your point on that front, there's only one player right now, non-10 day player on the Celtics roster in the last year who has not had COVID-19 and that's Peyton Pritchard, which is nuts. And then, and I mean, and then, the only guys this season, including Pritchard who haven't had it on this current roster is Romeo Langford and Marcus Smart along with Pritchard. That's it. Everyone else is that. And it's, it's absolutely, I mean, it's obviously, we don't want to, we can get into the whole situation across the league right now and how like, you know, disturbing it is. And hopefully all these guys long-term are, are perfectly fine coming out of this given how widespread it is right now. But it's, out of any team in a league, I mean, the Celtics were impacted more by it than anyone last year, and we're pretty much moving in that same direction this year. They're they're up the par of this outbreak as much as like the Bulls and a bunch of other teams that who have had games canceled. Yeah, and and so there are some other teams that
1: I think have had have had to sign as many 10 day players, have had as many players missing, and some of those teams you can attribute some of the same problems too. So I think the first one would be Atlanta, right? Atlanta's a game further or a half a game behind even the Celtics and and obviously went um, to the conference finals last year. And we're looking like this was going to be a a really positive season for them. And they've been ravaged by, by these sort of problems as well. Um, And there are Dallas sort of similarly, Dallas is under 500 as well. They've had a ton of COVID problems, Um, but there are other teams. Brooklyn has Kevin Durant. So they're sort of in a, a different classes as of a, as a franchise at this point they <laughs> were to handle um, it a little better <laughs> but charlotte and chicago have both been have, have had sort of as much of a problem this season as the celtics have and um have come through it in terms of like raw numbers i think chicago has been a little luckier in terms of like what players have been out at what times and what combinations and things like that which have allowed them to be to have some amount of more uh consistency um you know they have the major injury of patrick williams which sort of also goes into that, we you know a lot of the games that they've missed and, and things like that, but they've had to sign a lot of 10 days. But um, so again, some, some amount of like luck falls into that, but there is just problems of roster construction here that the team has not been able to weather it. But the, the real thing is like that the weight of the last year, I think just sort of pushes everything down. It's like you never get to see the team together. And so how do you judge who you should be playing even in some cases or, or what you should be looking for in the free agent market or the trade market? Because like, what are you basing it on? Like, you know, 50 minutes of play for some of these, these units, there's just nothing there that's been able to build up. Whereas you look at, you know, teams like, like Utah, who have just haven't had anything right there. Or they've had every team has had some things, but like they've had been able to play like their core of guys. And it's like, oh, why do they have this like historically amazing offense? It's possibly because they have a coherent group of players who play together every night in a good offensive system. And they're going up against these like mash units who are learning the defense, you know, have played five different defenses in the past month because they've been on five different teams, cycling through, like, getting waved from one team and immediately picked up on a 10-day and then off this because they've got, you know, oh, they're they're just, this, this season has become something that's impossible to follow, impossible to draw any real conclusions from, impossible to use to predict what's going to happen in the second half of the year. And that makes it very difficult to you know, to sort of work through things. But again, that, that doesn't mean that there's no blame or no disappointment in the fact that they are 16 and 19, but yeah, I mean, you do, you do still have to start there and, and say like, that needs to be a factor in like, Hey, don't, yeah, you probably shouldn't trade Jason Tatum because you're 16 and 19 right? Um, or measured response. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know, you can not make the argument for like, Oh, okay. Could you, you know, could you trade Jalen Brown? But it's like it's not like we're going to trade Jalen Brown for a matching contracts and future draft picks and try to win 10 games the rest of the year or something like that. Like, I don't think that's a reasonable response there. There could be conversations around trading any player. I'm not saying that that that's the case. Um, And it doesn't have to be just fringe stuff. You can be more bold and, and advocate for bigger things than that. But like, if you're doing that, you at least have to, admit that like you are trying
0: to break up a team that you have never actually seen play together in the first place. Right. So, I mean, we have six weeks left essentially to the trade deadline for, so there, the clock is ticking and the time is getting short to make that evaluation. And like, as you point out way, you know, actually getting a, a reasonable sample size of a, a full roster versus, taking enough out of this year and last year and being like, okay, I think we know enough here, even though we're never going to get to see uh, as much as we want out of these guys together before making some necessary moves. I think it's fair to say that we know some of the needs regardless for this team, whether they've been in out the lamp. And I guess my other question too now is does, does some moves just simply need to be made from a roster standpoint by the front office to make things simpler for Eme Odoka or just take take make rotation management better for him. Because right now, I even through all this, I don't think he's handled it well. I think he's made mistakes on a, a variety of fronts, which happens with rookie head coaches, which is, you know, is not, you know, obviously the players on the the court are first to blame on a lot of things, but when you're you're playing f- Peyton Pritchard, forty-five minutes a night, one night, and he clearly has nothing left. And then you are playing a two-three zone defense in the Clippers, and you are taking off Grant Williams on, off the floor—the one guy who's hitting threes on the night um, in the for most of the fourth quarter. It's just things like that on a game-by-game basis, Ryan. I feel like you wonder um, if that's something with the front office will will try to take care of, or just try to you know make it clear to email going forward, like, hey, this is we need to operate as knowing that we need shooting first and foremost on the floor pretty much at all times, especially when Jason Tatum is not in the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I said yesterday on, on the Twitter machine that, um, that I think he's been one of the worst coaches in the league this year. Now he's a first year coach. that shouldn't be all that surprising. I'm not saying that they should fire him because I don't think they should. Um, Brad Stevens in his first year for all that, the team did some nice things in terms of like, you know, little engine that could overachievement. There was a lot of stuff in there that, he was openly talking about like, oh, I don't know how timeout management works in the NBA, right, like I'm learning on the fly on some of these things. And I don't think those are the problems that that Udoka has because he's been around the NBA and in the NBA for a long time. So I'm, they have different issues. Um, but yeah, his roster, his sort of management of the rotation has not impressed me from the beginning. Uh, and some of the things that we knew were going to be problems and that needed, like you were going to have to make some concessions to other things in order to rectify them. Number one being that the team does not have enough shooting. And so you cannot play lineups that are just like old reliables that can't shoot. And you have to take some risks with other players who might be bad. Like, I'm not saying that Neesmith and Hauser are going to prove to be amazing players, but like you have to take risks because you're losing the games anyway. You're just losing the games under the weight of not having enough shooting out there. And this is exactly what we talked about last time we we recorded. That was like the problem, first foremost problem, once you get past health, which we've already talked about, is not like necessarily this idea of like effort. It's you don't have enough shooting. And the shooting you have, you're not playing in any sort of like consistent, understandable way. Or you're playing it too much when you you play Pritchard 45 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's, yeah, I mean... The whole thing with Pritchard being going from out of the rotation to having to play too many minutes is partly management and obviously partly COVID. And the fact that he was the, the only healthy point guard who had been on the roster for more than 12 hours when.
0: Well, no, it. no, I'll, I'll, I want to fire back at that. But Pro- why, why was Roderick Thomas on this roster period? If he couldn't get into yeah. that Minnesota game? No, absolutely. But. That's what I'm
1: saying. Like there is some amount of like,
0: this is a bad situation,
1: but like Greg Monroe signed six hours before the game and the coaching staff for Minnesota put him on the floor and said, go and play. And, and he was able to play. And like the Celtics have signed these 10 day guys and then just not use them. Uh, Joe Johnson at this point seems like it was more a novelty than anything else. Uh, you know, they, Justin Jackson came in and then immediately got COVID, right? Like he, he actually might be a useful player for the roster in the state that it has been for the last couple of games, but then it wasn't available, but like, yeah, they needed to go out and, and obviously find a veteran point guard for a ten-day who like the the front office was you know could get to sign and that the coaching staff would play. And obviously people go, Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, that's what you're talking about, right? And it's like that would have been fine. But there's others. There's other guys out there who just, you know, have had some amount of NBA experience where you hope that they could have come in and like been trusted to run a pick and roll and to take three shots and, and whatever and and make it so you didn't have to play Pritchard 45 minutes and basically burn him out for the fourth quarter of that game where every single shot was a foot and a half short and then roll that into the next game where he plays 36 minutes again and looks shot. And it's like that sort of stuff of like management of where like what you're willing to sacrifice at certain times has not been good. Um I think the defensive structure that they've tried to implement is an intelligent one for the big picture in the long term. It has fallen apart under the weight of not having the right players available and not having players consistently available. I would like to see some of the stuff that he's put on the defensive side, have some time to to sort of work its way out and see if, if they can get back to some of the stuff we saw early in the year when, when they did look good, but the rotations and the sort of reliance on certain types of veteran players sticking just kind of bullheadedly to the double big stuff uh, and a lot of stuff on the offensive end um, that has just been ugly. Uh I don't remember who pointed it out, but, you know, he came in, in his, in his initial press conference, and a lot of people were like, Oh, he's saying the right things because he had been like, yeah, Brad, you know, your the assist rate on this team was, was terrible last year and it's going to be different this year. And that's not acceptable. And it's actually worse this year. Yeah. Uh, the ball doesn't move the, the fourth quarter stuff. Again, like I said, is some amount luck, but some amount, like the way that the team works and, and, and plays. So, um, I've been really disappointed with that in in terms of the coaching. And like I said, I don't think you can like fire them because you don't want to get on the the carousel firing coaches halfway through the year. But there's a long way to go here before uh, you start to feel like you're in a good coaching position. Uh, Right. I would settle for average by the, you know, at this point.
0: And this is again where the front office comes in and can can make things simpler. And like take away tough decisions or take away complicated decisions or take away things that you're leading. Yeah. Like, (laughs) right. Like, like doing that, like get. Jabari and Wancho, like get them off the roster, period. They don't like they potentially didn't cost you games, but like leaning on them heavily in the Milwaukee and Minnesota games, like and with Jabari repeatedly beyond that earlier in the year, like those that th- those were mistakes. And and then obviously we know we don't need to get into like you know keeping Jabari in the first place over other options like Garrison yeah. Matthews at that spot. But like it's 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 simply here where you can do small changes or medium changes here, but, you know, and, and staying away from obviously the assessment, you know, the seismic change in terms of like a, you know, exploring moving jailer or something like that, which I don't think it's going to be realistically on the table anytime before next year. Um, but for now, like there, there's clearly moves that can be made here to, to ease some of these problems for e knowing that it is, he's been dealt a, dealt a tough hand and, and he's not, managing what he has left particularly well. We're going to talk, talk about Bet Online, our winning play sponsored here. They have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through college bowl season and the NFL playoffs come up. But Bet Online remains your number one spot for sports action this season. You can head over there, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code CLNS50 to receive that bonus. For basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, uh, and your favorite Vegas casino games, you can take advantage of all the amazing offers they have for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. The the continued wait of like
1: four years now of, of difficult front office decisions, um, I, I think, has really continued. Um, you know, it's like some of the stuff that we thought that would was reasonable this offseason hasn't played out well and has ended up in a roster that has a lot of this, you know, sort of difficult uh, situations for the coaching staff to extricate themselves from. So it, it's tough. And like, do you how much trust do you have in the current front office to get them out of the, the jam that they're that they've built themselves into from a roster perspective? Because uh, there aren't a lot of different voices there than there were over the last couple of years it's the the top decision maker is different but it's somebody who was there and in the room before and everybody else has been in sort of in that room um and so do you trust them to get out of some of these problems and to be ruthless in real you know sort of accepting where this team is uh, or do you get trapped in, in where we started and they're saying like no, no no we still think there's a good team here we still think there's a good team here and, and there might be a, a good team that with some adjustments and some much much better health luck could be good but like even if that team climbs up to the seventh seed or something like there's, they're not going to get out of the first round, even if they do have good health block, unless they run into a team that has flipped it around and has horrific health block at the same time, right? Like the, a team that that's ceiling is to climb up to like the fourth seed. Uh If you're in 11th and you can get yourself up to seventh or eighth, like there's just not a whole lot there. So yeah, the simplification of some of what the roster is now and day-to-day, like how you get to a, a better result now is important, but there is also like, just some pretty basic bigger picture stuff that they need to be realistic about in terms of like, how do we put a team together on the floor for the second half of this year and into next year where we can make some of these evaluations that we're talking about how they've been so difficult to make to this point. Like, how do you get a team around Jalen and Jason that, that isn't just like sort of lip service saying we're putting together a team to make our wings life easier, but like actually does by having a playmaker they trust and shooting. Um, And I don't, I don't really know how you get there because there aren't a lot of teams out are out there who are like, Oh, we're, we're looking to give away playmakers and (laughs) shooting. Right. Um, but like, that's the task at hand at this point, after four years of really kind of blowing the opportunity, it, it it makes the job really hard. So I don't, I don't know where you, (laughs) sort of where you go with all of that, my, my rambling complaints, but, um, Yeah, I mean, I think for now,
0: well, I'll like, let's throw out this. I mean, we, we've kind of stayed away a lot from just talking about the player. We've talked about the coaching. We've talked about, you know, we hit on the front office there, the players themselves right now, um, just evaluating that through 35 games here, um, on the overachievement front, I think you have Grant Williams. I think that's probably it. At this point, Al Horford is, has kind of dropped off into what we expected him to be. He's still been very good defensively. Um, he's shooting twenty nine percent from three. They're leaning on him far too heavily for a guy his age and size. Like so that he's been good for what you know you'd you'd hope he would be, but he's come back down to earth. But beyond that, like, are you still convinced? in all these, you know, obviously you know you want to invest in the young guys to see what they can do, and they haven't gotten a lot of continuity. Um, with the injuries or rotations and stuff like that. But are are you still convinced that you want to like look heavily at all these guys still, or are you out on any of these guys, whether it's Peyton, Romeo, Neesmith, in terms of, you know, the, the, the long-term, the big picture in terms of guys you're willing to move on from, you know, without getting a, a an even return. I think I I think we have a pretty good
1: idea who some of these young players are. Um, Grant is good, especially if he can shoot, you know, I don't know if he's going to continue the shooting throughout his life, but if he can continue to be a 40% three point shooter, he's good. He's a fine fifth starter, seventh guy in your rotation, kind of in, in that range. It'd be nice if he was bigger, had a little quicker feet, but like, he's a good, useful player. Uh, Lankford I'm pretty well out on at this point. He just can't shoot. These last two games. Holy crap. He can't shoot. But it's been the whole season. I mean, he started out who, – who said it yesterday? He started – for Grandy right. maybe started four for six and is shooting
0: like 28% since then. It's just not there. And then they took uh, him out def- – and then defensively, like they had to put Richardson in two minutes into the third quarter against the Clippers because Langford couldn't hang on to Canard around the screens.
1: Yeah, there's, I think, a real – Kind of overestimation of his
0: of his defensive impact it's sort of the young
1: player defense where it's like oh look i I didn't think he could do that but like the totality of his defense is nothing special um he has like it's not a massive negative that keeps him off the floor or anything like that but like sort of average guard defender who can't shoot is not any like it's just not a useful player um unless you're an amazing passer or something and he's not that either so I'm, I'm pretty well out on that. Um, if he's your 10th guy or something, that's fine, I guess. But like, he has, like, you're, you're not going to pay his next contract at this point. Right. It's questionable whether they should have, you, been, yeah. Like, should I pick up that option? Right? Right? I mean, right. Like they did it for, 14 for pick Don't purposes. make a ton of money, but by year four, they make some amount of money. Um, and it, it's just, it's not there. Uh, be you know again primarily because he can't shoot and we know what pritchard is i think as well at this point which yeah. is that he's a backup point guard uh, yeah. if you try to play him 45 minutes a night it overextends him it exposes him and, and he can't do that uh he's probably not as good or useful a player as dennis Schroeder in like the abstract if you were cre- you know starting a new team they they would have been better off yesterday with shooter than than pritchard right yeah. so in the covid <laughs> world where you never have a complete roster and where you desperately need like sort of whatever amount of inefficient shot creation Schroeder uh, can provide, like he's a better player there. But if you have a full roster and if it's normal circumstances, is you would be better off in some ways, like having Peyton Pritchard and playing him 16 minutes and having him be a sort of hybrid guard, whatever, than you would Schroeder and trying to shoehorn him in for a half, you know, for 30 minutes or 35 minutes and trying to play him next to Marcus Smart and stuff like that. Like Pritchard is fine, but we know what he is. Um, and then the big question is remains Neesmith. We just like, if he shoots 25% from three, then he's not an NBA player. You have to believe that there's a better shooter there. If he had consistency in in minutes and, and if there isn't, then again, like, but you have to invest some amount of time and, and like actual NBA playing time into, into seeing if, if you can actually get shooting there, because the other stuff there is better. Um, you know, some of his, off the dribble game, I think has been a little bit better. He has no passing skills really. Um, but the energy and defense and rebounding, I don't think is like worse than Lankford, right? It's just a question of like, will the shots ever start falling? Cause to this point in what is, you know, remains a small sample. So he's the one, the, the one unknown, right? I, I'm assuming you agree with me on that, that like, yeah, yeah we you know have to get tributes, him a lot we don't time. really know what Neesmith is and,
0: and probably yeah. do with Romeo and Grant. Right. And it's funny, like we've, Romeo has probably played just as much as Neesmith in his career you know, at this point, <laughs> which is sad to say, given the injuries involved, but it is, I'm with you on that and just in terms of like the potential upside, I think, with Nisif is at least certainly offensively is, seems to be a lot higher than it could be for me at this point, just given their track yeah. records. Um, like if
1: you, if you were to, let's say both of them, you just released tomorrow, and obviously they're not. But let's just say you released or you traded both of them tomorrow. You would be much more concerned that you regret giving up Neesmith than Lankford at this point, right? Like you would, yeah, I think everybody would have to look at it and be like, if one of them is going to become something more than a tenth man, that it's, I think, much more likely that it would be Neesmith, right? Uh, and so you have to, to give them those minutes. Now, there is a problem here that we're talking about two late lottery picks right. <laughs> and a mid first round pick. And none of them were talking about being like game changers of any way. No. These are all players we're talking about, like hopefully they can be a rotation grant. I think we're saying can be a rotation player. The other three are sort of saying like, well, those picks just sort of disappeared into the ether and were, were burned. Um, which is again, more of an indictment of like the last couple of years than, than anything that you're talking about right now. And then there's Towser, who's passed. I think at this point you have to play him. That's, who, you know, that's one of the guys I was talking about where like you have to take the risk and invest in some of these guys. Like The team doesn't have enough shooting. You've got to, you've got to play them and
0: see what you have there. Here's one other quibble I have with the coaching this year. Um, particularly lately, obviously, as um, the, the injuries and the, the COVID has, has piled up around this group. The, the fact that they're not going with like hot hands at all off the bench in games, like riding a guy... Just because he's given you something for a little bit, or or on the on the flip side of that, not going back to a guy who's clearly doesn't have it in a certain game. And I know that the roster situation has been very tough, but there are certainly times in you know last night's game in particular, and, and obviously against Minnesota with you know Rob Williams or something like that, like the having not having Grant Williams on the floor at the end of those games for large stretches, and then even even last night, when when Pritchard has it's giving you absolutely nothing and is hurting you defensively, and Broderick Thomas is still like or Hauser just getting, getting someone who, he can that has a skill. When Broderick Thomas, we don't know what he is, but he was good in his minutes last night. And so, terrible. like, his shot looks miserable. The shot looks terrible, but like, <laughs> but he can def- but, it. but so it was like it, it's it yeah. it's it's still like the it's the mystery box, and sometimes yeah. the mystery box yeah. is better than the guy who you know, is worn down and it's just not giving you anything. and It is not a star. So it's like, it's like you have to, you know, it, Pritchard's going to get mad at you. If you only play him 25 minutes last night when he has nothing, but like just not even those two games, but just going all the way back to the bucks, just the last few weeks, like they're just games that have been where there's very little margin of error and the instinct on those decisions. And Brad Stevens would, would do that back in the day. And granted he would have probably better personnel to do it, but yeah. Like, Hey, if Shane Larkin is just like, having a really good game. Yeah. So we're going to, we'll, we'll, ride them. We'll ride them through crunch time sometimes. And I thought that was just, I mean, maybe that's more of a credit to Brad. to you know, have the kind of instinct to do that stuff when he was a coach and he may, we'll hopefully get there. But for now, that's something that's been glaring in terms of for, especially in a year where you have to rely or you should be relying far deeper down your bench sometimes. than than you want to, Yeah, I think we saw both
1: coaches struggle with that in fourth quarters over the past year. Like, I think there were a lot of complaints reasonably about Brad last year of like, Jalen's got 30 points through three quarters, and then he doesn't see the ball in the fourth quarter. And there's a lot of like COVID Tatum or injured Kemba runnings. Like those are where your plays are going. Um, And again, that's better personnel, but we saw some of that in the fourth quarter. But I agree that over the course of Brad's tenure as a coach that was not a consistent complaint. It was more of a sort of targeted complaint at, at the end of, at the end of his time as a coach. Whereas with Udoka it has been more of a, more of a thing where he's sort of just rigid. And, and we've seen it from the beginning of the year with games where it was like, you need to get Dennis Schroeder off the floor or conversely, like, yeah, you can ride Schroeder for a few extra minutes here. It may not hold, but you may as well go with it. But the more to the point of games of like this guy, or I think there were a couple of games similarly with, with Richardson, um, maybe a couple of, with Cantor the other way, where you could actually say, like, maybe he could have played an extra couple of minutes there, and, and you know if I'm saying that, then that's
0: right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's first
1: game. Like, uh in particular, yeah. that's when that six hour where, where, where Cantor was great that game and then he disappeared and then they, they lost in, yeah. in crunch time. And the player that you mentioned you know, Robert Williams is such a like a roller coaster player sometimes that you do have seem to have a little bit more, need to have a little bit more of a feel for it there. Uh, I feel a little bit bad for Pritchard at this point, where it's like scrap heap at the beginning of the year. And then thrown into it and then run into the ground and now taking some, some of a beating for like, of course, he looked bad at the end of playing 45 minutes. And it shouldn't surprise you that he didn't look great in the next game either. Um, And I'm not saying that pointing that at you, just sort of the general. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, right. Like, like right. Like, this is a a difficult situation to, to just be like, yeah, you're not going to play. And then you're our only point guard. And we're not
0: going to sign anybody else who we trust, and they're not going to play. And no one else um, can shoot, and like you, literally have to create yeah. because no one else can like run a pick and roll confidently or yeah. exactly. It, I it's, mean, it's
1: like nice. I said it during the game yesterday, going into the fourth quarter, it, they were so playing so poorly, and they were playing against a team that was also so disjointed that they're like you don't. They didn't need to play the game. You didn't need playoff execution yesterday to win that game. You needed like a certain amount of nuts and bolts execution like g league execution and in my mind like they should have gone we're going to pick one of the two centers i don't really care which one you want to pick they're going to set a high screen they're going to roll whether you want it to be broderick thomas or peyton pritchard running that pick and roll as your starting point for the offense is fine the other three players on the floor have to be the only other three players that anybody respects as a shooter and that's jalen brown grant williams and sam hauser and that means Jalen means like Jalen on the wing, Hauser and Grant in the corners. We're going to run high pick and roll. And we're going to see if we can get any offense out of this because we can't, we can't generate anything else. And it's like, we're going to go to high school level stuff here because we're playing against another team that has zero continuity and doesn't know what they're doing either. And like their offense, wasn't some big complicated thing that you needed a whole bunch of continuity and like understanding your X outs and switches and stuff. It was like, bring everything down to a base level during this period where all these teams are just taken apart and just be like, what do we need? We need high pick and roll and shooting on one end. And we need like base level competence on the other end. And that should be enough to win these games. Like they couldn't reach that level. And just when they went back at the end of these games and it's like, Oh, Grant Williams isn't on the floor. And we're back to Horford who hasn't made a three and feels like forever.
0: And he was sent 37 minutes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And Rob sort of up and down all over the place. And Pritchard has been running to the ground and, and Jalen's been taking a beating, obviously, for scoring 30 points on 36 shots with no assists and all that. And, like, yeah, he has not been good these last two games. There's a an amount of, like, is this exposing him that he can't play this big of a role? No, he's, not
0: a he's not a number one option. That's, like, I feel like that's a fair... I think yeah. neither of us ever um, thought he was, and that's, like, obviously been proved even more so in the last week.
1: Yeah, and there's a ton of problems there. But, like, the solution to that problem, again, to me, is just you, you have to lean... At, at some point into simplicity and into like what are the basic building blocks of nba basketball and and again it's like pick and roll and shooting and and don't be terrible on defense and and they just they just couldn't get there yesterday and a lot of those shots at the some of the amount of shooting at the end is like they were jacking up threes in the last couple of minutes so it sort of skews things even further on on some of the bad bad stuff but like you had 36 minutes of watching that game leading into the fourth quarter where you're like we we can't do these certain things and we can do these other things, like lean into them. And they just, you know, seven minutes left in the game. And they're like, we're going back to the stuff that hasn't worked in the last two games. And it's just really frustrating.
0: All right. So we say this, there is some light at the end of the tunnel here. After you play the Suns on Friday, which I assume Tatum will be out for, maybe you'll get Schroeder back for that one. If the new rules, we'll find out in terms of the, the isolation um, being cut down to six days. But then after that, you have home Orlando, home San Antonio, the Knicks twice in a row, the Pacers twice in a row. You're still amazingly Ryan, you're, you're three games under 500 here. And I think you're still only two and a half games out of sixth place. Yes. You're two and a half games behind the Sixers and you're, you're four and a half games behind the Cavs who are who just lost Rubio and have had really tough injury and COVID luck lately. So my guess is they're gonna be falling back to the the pack of so on paper you can salvage this if you like you said get that team together that you think can work in in the next few weeks and start putting together some consistency. Will we get there or are you expecting more of this and then selling season to potentially begin for this group? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so uh, like
1: you had to some like base questions of this, like will players contract the Omicron variant a second time? Right. Right. Like, are you like, like Josh? Through a period. Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) he may be special circumstances here, but like, will players who have been appropriately vaccinated, um, Will they contract the the disease a second time? Is that possible? Is the fact that they're playing in 20,000 seat arenas and traveling around the country every day, does it makes them particularly susceptible, you would think, uh, and high risk individuals? And like, will they just keep getting the disease over and over again? Um, And like, I don't, we don't just don't know the answer to that, right? We don't have enough information. There was a thought early on it's like you get it once and you are unlikely to get it a second time. But this is a a much different disease, it seems, at this point. So, like, it's hard to to answer some of those base questions. But as a team, for where they are, they have the 11th best net rating in the league. They have the 11th best SRS, simple rating system, um, which is, you know, basketball references, like, basically, strength of schedule plus net rating. 11th best in the league. They have had the 7th hardest strength of schedule. Strength of schedule right now is really wacky because you sometimes play very good teams that have no players. So it's kind of hard to understand even what what that means. But the remaining strength of schedule after the Phoenix game is, I think, the easiest in the league. Um, The big home road split that we talked about at the beginning of the month has now gotten back to normal. So they no longer have, like, a ton of home games coming up because they've now played quite a few of them finishing up with with Phoenix here. Um, So that part of it's a little bit gone. But, like, again, like, the, the fundamentals of a perfectly reasonably good team are there you have a hole you have to dig out of now. So you can play, you know, two or three games better from this point of the year, the rest of the year than say the heat, but like the gap to the heat is more than that. So it wouldn't matter. Right. Like, are you, what are these teams you're really going to catch and how many of them can you, can you overhaul and get out of play in game territory? Because if you're in playing game territory, you're going to end up playing, you know, Brooklyn or Milwaukee or somebody like that in the first round, you're going to lose in the first round anyway. Like it probably doesn't make much of a difference where you, where you land and, you very much have a question at that point of would you rather just be in the lottery, um, which I think is a totally reasonable question at, at this point already, but, sure. Uh, but yeah, I, just to go back to it, right? Like 11th in net rating, 11th in SRS, they played a difficult schedule. They have an easy schedule coming. Like if they get healthy and put that normal team together and make a couple of roster tweaks that simplify some things and don't shoot historically awfully every, you know, once a month or once a week, then they can still finish in six, right? <laughs> um, how much value do you put on finishing six is, is a, a question that each individual fan has to answer and how, you know, the franchise has answered. But like, I don't know. I, there's not. You have a chance to get the Bulls in the first round and then yeah. then what happens? Yeah. I mean, that's it, right? Like, can you get to a position where you're playing? Can you get it all the way to five? Right. Can you, like... Can you get to playing the Cavs or the Bulls in the first round? And like, does that give you a chance or the heat, right? Like, can you avoid a healthy Brooklyn and a healthy Milwaukee for a round? And you get to the second round and, um, or you get up to six and it happens to be that Milwaukee's third because they rest a bunch of guys or they have their own health crises that they've been going through. And it's like, you just get wiped out. Anyway, it's, it's just such a difficult season to predict anything to, to know what things have meant to this point or what they'll mean in the future. But so that's all I can go back to is like, there's a nine to you know, maybe a nine man team there. That's, that's a perfectly reasonable playoff team. And if we see them, they will probably climb up into some sort of playoff spot, be that a uh, home, you know, uh, being in the, the top two teams in the play in games or, uh, or maybe six or something like that. But like, I don't know, it, there's not enough games left to, to get much better than that,
0: considering where their starting point is. Yeah. It's, it's safe to say there won't be any serious buying done for this team for this, for the present at this point. I think that, and no,
1: I mean there's selling that is buying at this point, right? right, Like trading shooter, possibly trading Richardson. Those things are, you are buying a draft pick at that point, right? Like that is, you're a seller, but uh, that's just sort of reasonable stuff to be doing. And then there's also the question of, are they going to try to get out luxury tax and like, are they going to be looking to die as opposed to, I bet there's a hundred.
0: It's like Wancho is going to be attached to any, useful player that they trade and then and then you obviously will have i think like the horford and smart question in terms of yeah like, i mean there's are stuff are like you gonna, will are some team come pay a, a a ransom you're not a ransom but a, a hefty price a contender to to get one of those guys to come off their bench and and yeah really you know, do
1: they end up trading schroeder not even for a draft pick but you, you know you trade schroeder to to dallas and into their trade exception and they get you know they, they take one show and send back a little bit less money for him. And like, you literally, you, all you've done is cut $7 million. And well, they one should one be absolutely so ripped. If nothing that happens, else. <laughs>
0: like, I'm just saying was, it's, yeah, no, but no, but oh, it's it's very possible. I think it. I, um, they will, but if, if they do something like that without getting back any actual, like benefits beyond getting out of the tax, then that's mm-hmm. like, obviously, like, what are they, this was not a good executed game plan from the start this year. Ben.
1: But shooter is only worth a second round pick. And they and teams regularly spend a second round pick to get out of luxury tax, right? And it's like, like that is complete. I think well within well within the the realm of possibility of what they'll end up doing It's just being like, we're not even going to get a second round pick. We're we're just going to get just got the
0: money. Yeah. What are you like? What do you t- like for Smart and Horford? What I mean, Horford obviously much less in terms of what you would be willing to take to get off of him um, at this point like is he uh are you expecting is, is this getting off his 14 million dollars for next year enough to move Horford at this point like when you're if you cut that guaranteed money for next year down considerably and get out of the tax this year
1: um i mean i don't care about the tax anymore Like, <laughs> I, if you're asking me what i think that they would take yeah. as opposed to like what i would what i would like them to do or i would like them to take like it wouldn't shock me i don't think there's really a trade partner out there for him the money is just too big this year and um you know, we can talk about the the trade partners of like a buy trade where you trade three first round draft picks and two swaps along with Horford and try to get something better, uh, which is a different conversation. But in terms of like, you don't think there's someone who's going
0: to come in and like really want Al
1: Horford. I mean, we've talked about golden state as being like one, but like they're not going to make that, that big of a shift now, especially with the way Horford has been playing recently. Um, I don't think they'll see him as like a significant upgrade worth trading, you know, something real smart. The question with Martin, and I know we were sort of going long in a field on, on a number of different things that I've been posing is just like, will his teammates and will his coaching staff ever trust him? The mm-hmm. fact that I trust him to think, and I think that you can sort of like I was saying about Peyton Pritchard, like simplify your, your offense in fourth quarter, but not simplify it to the like stone age uh, isolation stuff that they're doing with like Tatum or Schroeder or whoever, and just being like, we're just going to run really simple high pick and roll with players around a point guard and a roller who can shoot. And like, we're going to kind of play that kind of, like smart can do that. Um, but they don't appear to trust him to do it coaching staff or his teammates, whatever it might be. And like, if you're never going to get there with where he can be a point guard, we know he can't really be a shooting guard and he's not going to play on the wing. Cause they have Jalen and Jason, like you're not going to try to play him up position like that. Like he he's either a point guard or, not a celtic um and if he's not a celtic then like that opens up a, a whole other world of conversations right like do you trade him for the kyle anderson type players and you don't trade shooter you say shooter is going to be your point guard uh for this year and then you'll figure it out going down the line but that stuff gets complicated and, and again like it's i don't that's those are the types of conversations that will heat up a week before the trade deadline and we'll possibly know more about things but also it could be that the next five weeks are likely they'll be the next five weeks are just more of the same of like ravaged teams banging their heads against the wall against each other and you know luck deciding who wins a lot of these games um and if that's the case then i i just don't know how you make judgments on on a lot of these things uh and i wouldn't i mean listen i'll if somebody wants to give me $5 million to run the Celtics. I I'm, I will happily do it, but I don't envy the decision makers <laughs> nah. having to make decisions in this sort of a state of a season where you're just learning very, very little on a night to night basis.
0: Yeah. I mean, not just the sell this picture, your point, like the whole league right now, like evaluating how many chips you're going to push in, in a season where you could, you know, yeah. one bad week of, of positives at the, the wrong time could leave you with, you know, nothing to show for it. So
1: yeah, you trade a bunch of future assets uh, and then three weeks later, there's such a bad outbreak that the league has to shut down. Like it's not completely out of the question that that will happen no matter how much they want to want to ignore that or that you have, even though you're playing in the summer, that this just continues on and your playoffs are contested between, you know, teams that have five healthy players. You yeah, to, to yeah. trade three first round draft picks and get to the playoffs and have nobody that you traded for allowed to play.
0: Right could be fun. Could be a lot of fun here, but in the it meantime, yeah. Well, we'll see. But for it should get better for the Celtics in the next couple of weeks. Keyword being should. Um but Ryan Bernardoni follow him at danger cart on Twitter. Thanks as always for popping on for covering pretty much every single angle you can look at for this team right now. It's uh it's been a rough 2021, but what was your what was your saying again from the, the the stop start of the podcast it can't get worse unless it, it does <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> still is by as we turn the calendar forward uh in the meantime rate review subscribe to the Winning place pod uh we'll be back with you in 2022 with ryan the host of other co-hosts as we go through and um as always thanks for listening stay um happy and healthy out there everyone